0: Hello, everyone. This is Caleb, one of the hosts of Trailblazer Academy.
1: And this is Christian, the other host of Trailblazer Academy.
0: Today's episode has a very special guest, Jeff In Control Robinson. We recorded this episode about a year ago with Jeff. And unfortunately, a little less than four months after this recording, Jeff passed away. Jeff was a cherished member of many communities. A testament to that was after his passing, uh, there was a post on like every possible gaming or board gaming subreddit and many others fitness uh, debate there's so many different communities that were mourning him he was really widespread and uh, it was quite an honor for us to be able to have him on the show when we first had Jeff we had him on an episode about inclusion and uh, we did him a little bit of disservice the episode structure uh, really didn't um, I think feed into him because it was a little too structured uh, the episode topic was perfect for him. He was he spoke very intelligently about the subject, had a lot of great things to say about it. Uh, but I structured the episode a little too much, too many bullet points to you know narrow, uh, which didn't allow him to really flex. And we try to make our our episodes, our shows, a little bit tailored to our guests to really allow them to flourish and show their best side. Like when we have Andrew on from Tales from the Lich, he like goes in the notes with us and he writes the notes ahead of time. Everyone's just different and they're creative in different ways. And for Jeff, we boxed him in a little too much with those notes. So, I thought to correct it on this, on this episode we had him on, I'd make the notes a little bit looser. And unfortunately, I overcorrected. In my opinion, I made the notes too loose. There, was a little too, there wasn't enough direction to continue the conversation. And so for that reason, uh, I didn't think the episode was structured enough like class, like we like to have these episodes. So after the episode was recorded, I emailed Jeff and said, hey, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be releasing this episode. Maybe one day is a bonus episode, is a lost episode, but for now we're going to shelve it. And he was very generous and kind and said, I had a good time. Thanks anyway. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, I actually later on found out that he had canceled his own podcast that day because he wasn't feeling up to recording it. Didn't say anything about that to us. Still recorded the episode with us. Uh, Just outstanding gentleman. But I thought after his death that perhaps we could use a little more Jeff and we could put this out there in the world uh we obviously wanted to be tasteful about it we thought and we wanted to wait you know a respectful amount of time before putting it out and we think maybe now uh that's that time now christian when i was worried about this episode like many times uh i was over worrying a little bit i remember you saying you actually thought the episode was clear for release
1: i guess i thought it was a good episode i didn't think it was a great episode it definitely could have been better but i think you're someone that dwells a bit more on your mistakes caleb than I am. Sure. a bit more happy-go-lucky. Yeah. So I, th- I thought it was, you know, definitely good enough. And I don't think there's anything, you know, bad about the episode. I just think it wasn't up to our usual standard.
0: Right. Which, again, I put all that on me. No fault, Jeff. I think Jeff was amazing. It was just, you know, my structure to the notes. But with all that in mind, rest in peace, Jeff. And we hope you all enjoy today's program.
2: Welcome to Trailblazer Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian.
0: Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is 321 Player versus Character. This is part of our 300 series covering advanced topics. And we have with us today an adjunct professor, Jeff Control Robinson. Jeff, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. We had Jeff on a previous episode called Inclusion, and I think we did Jeff a little bit of a disservice. Jeff is a very, very funny man, and we chose to have him on a very serious topic at which joking could cause problems. We're w- happy to welcome you back to an episode where we can take you off the leash a little bit.
2: <laughs> I always like talking about this stuff.
0: But to be fair, I was recently listening to some of your, uh, one of your most recent—I don't know if it's called a podcast because now it's on YouTube— uh, What in the world would you call that? Vodcast? That sounds disgusting. I immediately regret calling it a vodcast. (laughs) Uh, Your show, The Deadpan Diaries, where you flex some of those various serious subject muscles. You hit it with intelligence. Jeff is, for those of you who don't know his background in role-playing world, I first became acquainted with his role-playing skills on J.P. McDaniel's show, Roleplay. Right now, he's playing the Sunfall Cycle. This is like role-playing adjacent, and we mentioned this last time, but Jeff plays Warhammer. And Jeff, either I'm an incompetent Or Warhammer has some secretarial issues. I cannot for the life of me. And I tried to find like your accolades for Warhammer and like recent victories and things. And I couldn't find the details. It was like trying to mine to the deepest part of the earth and find the one hidden gem beneath just layers of things that were irrelevant. So please don't be modest. Tell us where some of your recent Warhammer accolades.
2: You know, it's really funny because it has a very early... Esports feel to it where you're not wrong. There's not some major website you're missing out on. It's only just now becoming more organized and more, I mean, they'll, they'll come a day basically where you can look up these kind of things, but it's still not even really right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, if I were to give someone the quick and dirty on on my Warhammer, I've been playing since I was 12, just like StarCraft as well. This year I was invited onto the ETC team, which is essentially kind of the Olympic team for Warhammer 40,000, so it's the world championship. Nice. So I'll be representing the United States. Um, other than that, in the biggest league in all of Warhammer across the world, the ITC, I've placed, I think, thirds the highest. And I've won best in faction a few different times. And I've won major tournaments with hundreds of people competing. And last year, I traveled to London and went to the Invitational there that had some of the best players around the world. And I actually won that as well. So uh, I've won some pretty big stuff.
1: Amazing. Now, someone that is completely outside of the world of Warhammer... I have to ask the question that other people in my group are thinking. What is the equivalence of teabagging in
0: Warhammer? (laughs) What's Um, dropping the mules at the end of the game for Warhammer?
2: Gosh, what would that be? Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny because just like StarCraft, there's such try-hard people because it's such a incredibly complex and cerebral game and, it, and you know most people spend hundreds of hours working on their army and and it's expensive so there's not a whole lot of that going on because there's mm-hmm. too much pride there's too much uh <laughs> the community is very close even though it's global like if you do something like that and you're a good player you'll kind of get a reputation so it, it's kind of funny because it has a starcraft feel to it as well where you're, we're all like dignified top hat wearing monocle like oh you know (laughs) somewhere to do something like that they'd be a rapscallion so i don't know that there's an equivalent to be brutally honest with you i mean there's it's also a very social game so there's a lot of talking there's a lot of kind of negotiation back and forth so if there were to be an equivalent to that it would be something someone said, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. So definitely a game I probably won't play anytime soon. Got it.
0: <laughs> well, Christian, you're in person. So if you teabag, you don't have the distance of wherever you are on the internet. It's <laughs> They can punch you. You're in punching distance.
1: <laughs> yeah, not going to work. Can't swing that one.
0: I'll tell you what the equivalent is. I just got into it last year. A friend taught me I've been playing about monthly now. And I'll tell you what it is. It's a bunch of their stupid, like, one-eighth of an inch it surrounding the biggest towel machine I could build, and somehow now I can't shoot over them with my range guns. My finger's nine times the size. What is happening? (laughs) I'm not very good. I picked big things, apparently. It's not just always the answer. Funny that. Well, why don't we get into the main subject of the show, player versus character. It's a thing that every player has to deal with is you have to role play your character and role play it well and separate yourself as the player in my early experience in my early career we used to have a little bit of trouble with this where we like raise our hands when we were talking out of character so we wouldn't get things mixed up and that kind of fell away very quickly i think it's something a lot of beginners hit and then as you get better at it like the problems almost get more intricate and more interesting as an illustration of this right now jeff You're playing a, you called him a not very intelligent, not very wise, but very charismatic fighter. And whereas the first character I really ever saw you play, which was Vincent, in my opinion, seemed to share a lot of things as Jeff, the person, the player. I think a lot of our first characters or first few characters reflect us in a lot of ways. It's been my experience in seeing people with their first characters. And then you sort of get to reach out and play fantasies or things that just sometimes out of your comfort zone. And when you play that first character, it's very intermingled and that can be kind of difficult to suss out.
2: I think that's one of the most absolutely fun progressions that that very commonly happens with tabletop RPG and and playing games like this where you get to create a a character. Very often they're a reflection of you. especially towards the beginning, like you said, Vince Longborn and various characters. I I didn't even really put thought into creating a character, to be honest with you. It was more of a game for me. It was more of a... uh, And that was actually like literally my first D&D experience. I did not get the experience of growing up playing pen and paper with friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was invited onto this and I was like, sure, let's give it a shot. I love nerdy things. And that was my first foray into it. But what has been absolutely true and really fun to kind of experience as time goes on is actively fighting against what you want sometimes too. Like not every character should be the antithesis of what you believe to be true or, or, sure. or enjoy, but I've definitely experimented with um, attitudes, concepts, beliefs, that kind of stuff that I otherwise wouldn't. And it's not necessarily to be, to have this weird out-of-body experience, but it's just kind of fun to actually act. I think that's one of the advantages of d and and tabletop RPG is that you are portraying a character and that's really fun.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's it's this sort of buy out where well my character did that and you seeming like you're kind of angry at me i don't have a long story i didn't kill the goblin You, you you got mad at buddy let's let's take a step back and when you're playing your first few characters that that can happen at least it happened in my experience where people kind of hold you the player responsible for what your character did yeah, the only, the only thing I would add to that is one of the things I found
2: in my experience with tabletop is to be really cognizant and aware of the fact that I, I don't think everyone, in my opinion, uh, should go into it with the like, this is my character. This is what I'm doing. And then from there, I will kind of inflicted upon you and and maybe scale it back or whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think there's people that have that mindset, not necessarily as aggressive as that, but perhaps they're like, this is my character. and This is what I'm going to do. I had a couple characters that were like more nasty in nature and it just didn't jive with the group. It just, it was not what they thought was fun. And it's not kind of what they wanted. And rather than like put my foot down and be like, well, this is my character and tough luck to you. Let's figure it out from there. I think it's really important to remind ourselves that first and foremost, it's a game, right? Like it's something Mm -hmm. we're we're doing for fun, even though some people have made it professional or made it into a show or, They've taken their hobbies somewhere else. I still believe the core nature of this is social interaction, fun. Mm. Yes, you can experiment with with different personalities and characters, and that's cool. But you shouldn't do it at the expense of somebody else. So that, too, is something I had to kind of learn the hard way. Um, Victorian Black was initially meant to be, and this is another character I had, it was initially meant to be really gruff, really nasty. And that was supposed to be kind of a different take. But to go back to what you were talking about, sometimes people can't separate character from person. And if they can't, or they're struggling to see that line, that's not on them, right? Like you shouldn't be like, well, this is just my character, you need to deal with it, you got to kind of, you got to be able to be uh, fluid and and to jive with your friends. Because again, unless you're serving a 10 year sentence together, and you're in the same cell, like, (laughs) it's, it's not what it's about, right? They can be like, well, I'm not really enjoying this. I don't want to do that anymore. It it can reflect poorly on you. So I I would encourage people to look at it within the boundaries of being uh, malleable and willing to kind of change to make it fun. Some people I think will will bristle at that and be like, well, no, I, I what if character doesn't like the fact that i'm christian or, or that i'm a human bard and it's like well of course like anything else there's limitations and then there's going to be a negotiation right like if someone's really upset about that then feel free to defend yourself and have a conversation about it with respect right like anything mm-hmm. else
1: yeah, yeah and that interplay is where the real difficulty really comes in because when you're playing someone that is unlike yourself you still have to maintain this meta mindset of yourself to keep in mind the other players at the table, which is you and your sensibilities thinking about that. So though you're this gruff character and you have to be in that mindset, you also have to kind of section off a part of you that's still remaining conscientious of everyone else at the table to make sure that it's okay with them, what you're doing. Exactly.
0: As somebody who enjoys the acting and role-playing part of role-playing games, I often get very immersed in my characters. And I find that not only people who enjoy the acting part of it, but people who are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, who are more into the numbers game. Both mm-hmm. of these kinds of people I have had experience with. And I think if you played Pathfinder any RPG for any amount of time, you will find the person who utters the sentence, but that's what my character would do. Which inevitably always right. follows somebody saying that there was a problem. Like you said, you, they, they cannot be the highest order. More and more, I am laying the foundation of my philosophy of playing games and before I play games to try to make sure everyone's there for the same game. In the past, I've sort of talked about, you know, find out what your players want to play and and build that game to them. And I've sort of changed my mindset to, well, I'm going to run this game and see what players want to be in this game. I think everyone can be kind of different there. But when I'm doing that, I'm laying that foundation, there's still only so much you can prepare and make sure everyone's there for. Unless everyone's taken like a Myers-Briggs level of thorough test to find out what why exactly everyone's there in every little bit of their like, you know, pet peeves, which I don't like their Myers-Briggs as it is, let alone. My goodness, let's just not get that's a whole that's a whole thing. I think before in the past, I've gotten this close down that rabble trail. I'm going to save you. All right, Jeff's actually saving our audience here, because I won't do that to him. I'll do that to you, audience. You should thank Jeff. Write him a letter. There's some things that you have to just learn in-game, and you realize, I I didn't realize I wasn't here for a game where one of my fellow players is sort of a scumbag, but I now realize that's not what I'm here for, and you got to have what Jeff was talking about. Okay, well, then we got to talk about it. Your character can't be above real people. You can't do that. We aren't just writing a story. If you're writing a book, go ahead. Fine. Who cares? But we're not writing a book, we're playing with each other. And, and I think th- it's super important to identify, too. Like, um, this this definitely
2: takes a negotiation and it takes like a reading of the room kind of concept, right? Like, mm. for me as a player, if someone's a super aggressive, annoying character, it's not ideal for me. But I have the mindset of to each their own. And that's interesting. And we'll kind of handle that as we go. Mm-hmm. Other people are more uncomfortable with that concept, right? So, like, maybe in, in a game you can be that total total jerk that is actually evil and, and the group is working against that type of thing but in another group that's really not what they want and, and you sure. got to kind of be aware of that and I think that concept's interesting because in my experience there's a lot of people that are really uncomfortable with the idea that their character is influenced and even in some ways altered based off of other people because that's not life for for a lot of people right. Uh, at least not on like the conscientious level. It actually is. And I would argue that we're constantly influenced by everyone around us. Like, uh, anyways, that's, that is a gigantic concept as well. But the point I'm trying to make is. A lot of people go to the table to just be this character they thought up, mm-hmm. and the idea that it gets changed or corralled even by the group is uncomfortable. But I don't think it has to be, especially if you have the right mindset of like this is just a fun social experiment and, and game that I'm playing with people that I like. And if you kind of go at it from that angle, as opposed to "er, this is my character," and I, hopefully they'll adjust. Otherwise, gosh darn it, this can be really tough. Like that, I think that's a that's a mm-hmm. tougher situation. To have fun in.
0: Sure. You're doing everyone's a disservice. Do yourself and everyone a favor and be a little flexible. Yep. One of the things that maybe could come out of this, a negative thing, is when you sort of use it as a scapegoat. Well, I didn't do that. My character did that. We've swung the pendulum to the other side. I think that's another thing to be a little wary of doing. You don't want to be able to do any rancid thing under the sun and claim it was my character. Yeah, you didn't actually do that, but we're, we're, we're blurring a little bit of lines here. You obviously, you did make one of the other players angry. And they told you as a person to stop and you kept doing it, even though it was through your character. Let's not, come on, let's not hide behind stuff like this.
1: Is that something that you guys have found has happened a lot? I, in my personal experience, haven't really ran into that, but I see this a lot online that people say that, Oh, people use the, it's what my character would do excuse. And they're using it in a very negative way. Is that like, Is that a common thing?
0: It was common in my experience, especially in the beginning when I just played with some people and I didn't lay those foundations of making sure we're all there for the same thing. We just played with friends because we were friends. And definitely, absolutely. And the more and more I play, the more and more I weed out those kinds of people and experience that less out of an active effort to experience that less. But my experience, it was quite prolific and I haven't heard a lot of people who do not have that story. I think it's a pitfall that Beginner players play. So the I play with more experienced players and the more you're experienced, I think the less you will do that and come across it.
2: I think it depends on the situation too, because for me, some of the most visceral and absolutely emotional moments in any of uh, my D&D or tabletop experiences have been not obviously completely restrained by the idea of this is what my character would do, but it was something that went against what we we're comfortable with. And then the, but the character's character would do that. And there was obviously like somewhat of a discussion to like, make sure everyone's okay with this, that kind of thing. But um like in one, you know, one group we had to murder one of our own members in a really like intimate kind of way. Like we held him down and knifed him. Like it's pretty brutal. And we had to do it because they were beginning to turn against us because their own ideology was like being corrupted and they were, they were kind of starting to work against us and try to hurt us. And this is something that like, no, that's, that's super dark. And that's super, a little bit too dark for a lot of people. But for us, it's what our characters would have done. And it made for this really intense narrative that Mm -hmm. we then enjoyed because it was, it was on this deeper level of like, is this
0: okay? Does that make us bad guys? What is happening to our group? That kind of stuff. May I ask, was that a stubbornness of the player saying, I'm not going to change this is the way my character would play? Or is there some outside force affecting him? Or how did that exactly come about?
2: Well, what I really liked about it, and you actually mentioned him earlier, was J.P. McDaniels, one of his characters. We were all pretty comfortable with our characters being the kind of lighthouse that guided our actions. And we didn't read it as J.P. was actively trying to hurt us. Uh, it also helped that, you know, he was putting on a production. This was his show. So the idea of him trying to sabotage us would be a little bit silly. Sure. It was more just like this is what happened to his character. This is the backstory coming to fruition with what the narrative was, was pointing. And for us as a group that was like mission oriented and on this righteous path if someone's going to stand in our way even if it's our friend Mm -hmm. we came to the crossroads of how do you handle that and like any good D&D group we
0: killed it (laughs) We found Mold the him. The solution him. <laughs> was murder. <Yeah. laughs> so why is it important to have such a separation between player and character?
2: First of all, I would tell you you can never fully separate them, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that's ever possible, and I think that's actually a first step to trying to separate for the fun of narrative and for the fun of thought exercise. Like if you if you create a character and you do some extremely uncomfortable bad things and your whole thought is well that's not me that's my character no one reads it that way they don't go oh well, he's just playing this really disgusting character it's like no i i think that's <laughs> there's some part of you that wants to be talking about that or doing that or, or thinks it's okay to portray those actions to the group right like sure, it doesn't yeah, mean when christian
0: stole those office supplies i knew it was not his character i knew it was just him <laughs> christian we see through your lies A character really needed those staples okay <laughs> They never actually think you're killing or murdering or want to
2: or any of that kind of stuff. But how you go about it is the part that people, I think, will always attach to you. So if your character just bulldogs everybody else and is rude and just does what it wants, they're not going to necessarily, unless you're doing like super comedically and it's like meant to be self-deprecating in a lot of ways, they're not going to read it that way. They're not going to be like, oh, that's just that bullheaded character. They're going to be like, this guy's kind of hard to play
0: with. <laughs> right. Um, yep. Definitely. Yeah, they'll always attach it. Right now I'm playing a summoner who is summoning a giant snake guy and I'm a merchant dude who I have to be okay with my snake eats people. And I'm actually cool with that. That's part of the deal why the snake's following me around. Caleb's not. I'm a fan of snakes. I own a snake. I don't generally sick it on Christian. I haven't watched the snake try to eat Christian. I didn't encourage that once, but we, we decided not to talk about that anymore. Having that difference and having to play as clay is the most fun for me. I get to be something completely different. And playing as something
1: that is different allows you to feel the difference in the world that you are playing in. You can't just be yourself because you, as yourself, only knows how Earth works and how the laws of physics work here and how a world without magic operates. Moving into a different mindset will help solidify the difference in that this game world that I'm playing in, if I'm playing in Galerion or a homebrew world, has completely different rules and laws, and that helps facilitate me representing that and how that reflects on my characters and the story. It's
0: one of the reasons I almost always do an accent for my characters, change my voice a little bit. I like to have that hard line exist. And it really helps me play the character and get out of Caleb mode and get into the character mode. Listen still, hey, there's isn't this weird? Look, all my characters are sarcastic. Isn't that weird? It's shared across every single one of them. I can't get rid of that. That's just going to happen. My apologies. But it's so much easier to switch into whatever character I'm trying to make and, and help differentiate myself from the things I would normally do if I could change the accent. Then I'm like, okay, now I'm in clay mode. Now I'm going to try to do what clay does. I also, by the way, tried to do a Nigerian accent for clay. It lasts for about a minute and 30 seconds, and then it becomes Wakanda for the rest of the episode. And I, I see it happening, and I cannot stop. It's impossible. <laughs> now, you, I know you're doing a little bit of an affectation for Amoros. And you did a stutter for a different character. But generally, I've noticed your voices are kind of the same. As somebody who, if I've evaluated you correctly, keeps your regular voices, do you find any difficulty there separating character from player? No. More
2: often than not, for me personally, I don't write this huge elaborate super big backstory and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I actually really like the story to evolve around my character. So the, the character itself will be flushed out through interaction with the group and then through the narrative. Sure. I usually go in with an angle like there was a character that had a stutter and that was because of a egregious set of injuries that he suffered. And that's kind of what motivated him on his mission. And then uh, Armaros is just a big imposing character. So that's my, I do a slightly deeper voice or whatever. Sure. But then his intelligence is insanely stupid. So I... <laughs> I have that reflected in you know how he talks and how he acts at times. Mm-hmm. And then in the past, I played like a Minotaur, and it was the same kind of thing. Like it was really funny because his intelligence was like four, so people would say, you know, get on the boat, and then he would just like lay down and put his head on the boat or whatever. And that was the <laughs> funny and tough for the group and that kind of stuff. So it's more like that as opposed to um I'm really worried about Armros being me.
0: When I first started playing where the problems occurred, where we put implemented the solution, raise your hand when you're speaking out of character, was that everything was so intermingled, it actually stagnated role play because we would just jump off into jokes or other things and and we realized we haven't made progress in the game for about thirty minutes because it's sort of there was it, it blended so easily. One of the benefits of trying to draw that line, of making it very clear when you're talking as your player, as your character, is it actually helps push the story forward a little bit you get distracted a little bit less everyone has a different game sometimes you're playing a game where the main objective is to socially hang out and the story going forward isn't a big deal maybe you're even just doing a dungeon crawl and the entire time you're not acting as your character i understand that people play different games but for the kind of game we were playing which is very narrative focused that's why the difference was important and it was very helpful for us to make a clear differentiation
1: what i think is really important to talk about here is that in the separation of player and character, it's not just the onus on the player to do this, it's the onus on the GM to facilitate a game where they are encouraging people and they are allowing people to be in character. So the situation you have where you realize you've gone 30 minutes and you haven't made any progress, I've been having that problem with my game group, but I'm not the GM. Mm-hmm. When I'm the GM, you know, if your GM is someone that is more often in NPC character, is someone who is inquiring of your character's actions. When someone says, oh, I'm going to stab this guy, the GM doesn't just say, no, Like, I think that's not correct for your character. Your GM will say something, well, what, what is driving your character to do this? What is your character thinking as he does this act? Mm-hmm. That way that it gives the player a chance to reflect on that action and also can help explain that to the other players without just saying, oh, well, explain to me your character. I need you to justify your actions to me
0: if my gm ever told me i don't think it's what your character would do i would be livid i would be absolutely livid in season one of trailblazers our actual play david asked me because this is his first time role playing he's playing himself which is a whole other bag of worms <laughs> talk about blurring those lines he's playing himself picked up from our world, put in a different world he said if i'm doing something that you don't think i would do normally because i'm getting carried away let me know and i was like oh great this would be fun because i would hate if a gm did that this is my character Back off. Want well, me explain to you. You know what I actively encourage my characters not to do? Explain to me their mentality. You don't do that in real life. That's not acting. I don't go, uh, Christian, let's buy these gummy bears. Now let me explain to you why I think... I would buy gummy bears. Even though I'm trying to lose weight, I'm actually a weak constitution and I can't commit to things very much. So the thinking of me is, you know what? For now I'm going to cheat. I'm going to buy these gummy bears because it'll make me happy in the short run, which is about how far my vision goes. No, I buy the gummy bears and then you probably steal about half of them. That's how that goes. But I can explain I to you. Generous. So in the role playing world, they'll tell me why I'm going to do this because I don't think I trust the other character. Just act that out. Don't, A GM that would encourage you to tell me your mentality, that baffles my mind. I couldn't play a game like that. Yeah, I'm
2: always super turned off by a GM that says, this is what your character does. Mm. Does that happen? They say they do things? Yes, it has. I won't name names, but they may or may not have also written the uh, (laughs)
0: D&D book. Ooh. <laughs> now, I got to shameful here in the corner over here doing an actual play that publishes. I've talked to my players about there's going to be a couple times when I say your character does something. Hopefully, we know each other well enough that I'm not saying you're doing anything that you wouldn't do. And you can always tell me, Caleb, I don't think I would do that. But I do do that sometimes for the sake of an audio drama production. So I'll talk of my mouth here.
1: <laughs> I think even in normal games, it's necessary because players will stop and deliberate over the most.
0: Mm-hmm. Minutia
1: things. Just, you guys walk through the door. You're not hurting them. You're just you guys walk through the door. You're done looking at the the boss relief on the door. You study enough. You walk <laughs> through the door and you continue. I don't I really, think you guys are even fun. having fun discussing the intricacies of this door.
2: Yeah, I don't think anyone minds stuff like that. I mean, unless the GM then says, "Now that you've walked through the door, the trap is sprung" or whatever. <laughs> right. 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 Very problematic. No, it's if you ever like describe a character's reaction to something and say your character does this now because of that thing that happened, I have huge issues with that. I don't like
0: it at all. Sure, absolutely.
2: Like if you're on a show or you're in a game with with people and the, you know, a, a big monster shows up and the DM says your character urinates itself in fear and starts shaking, I'd be like, it's very disturbing to me.
0: Well, you've touched on something that I don't know about other games, but I could tell you Pathfinder struggles with fear. And it's like a mechanic. It's a fear effect. And it pretty much just tells you you're afraid because the dragon made a roar. You didn't make your will save. You're afraid. It's a little hard to roleplay. Even to point mechanics where if you get to the highest level of fear, you have to run away. I've I've had that happen to my character before. It's the hardest thing to roleplay when somebody tells you you should be afraid and you don't think your character would really be all that afraid. Or at least if they were, they wouldn't run away. That's well, a... game
2: mechanics different because I, I feel like that's an interpretation of the rules and then you get to describe how your character reacts to that. Mm-hmm. But that's, if it's written into the rule and that's just what that thing does and that's just the game, right? It'd be, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to me to be in the middle of a game of Starcraft and be like, I'm really frustrated that stalkers don't shoot even further. Like, I mean, <laughs> be as mad as you want, but that's just what they do, right? So. But it'd be incredibly different if the game just started to grab my controls and say, well, now that you've seen (laughs) that thing, it's going to start micrating this way. I would not enjoy that. That's not the kind of game I like, you know?
0: Sure, it forces you to build Colossus instead of Storm because it's listening to Twitch chat. Right. <laughs> I'm remastering season one of Trailblazers right now. And listening to that again, I employed what I think would have been some naive advice I've probably given in the past, where as you say your players, so do you go through the door? Or like we were to give the illustration, or um, you, you suggest, are you guys done talking? Is that what you guys are going to do? You were talking for 20 minutes. It's been too long. So you guys, are you guys going to go check the bulletin board? Nowadays, I generally, after hearing what they said in their consensus, I just tell them that's what they do. And they're available to tell me if I've gotten that wrong which i rarely have now that my experience like okay so you guys go to the bulletin board and they could tell me if they instead of saying you guys want to go to the bulletin board now because the answer is always yes i've kind of learned that bit of a difference and then i think where jeff is talking about is completely different you've not talked about what you wanted to do for any amount of time and you just really like the idea of jeff's character being afraid of this giant dragon or troll whatever so jeff you piss your pants you're like okay well, that sort of really is going to have implications for my character I had no interest in. I got angry when a GM wouldn't let me choose my clothes for my character. All right? <laughs> I think I, I, I left, uh, and this was all in good fun. But for the next, like, four sessions, it was those, uh, like, uh, those little comments every once in a while. Well, I go over there, and I get dressed into the clothes... That was provided for me and certainly not these black clothes that I chose the other day with a long nice scarf and all that. I guess I'll just have to wear that. That's fine. No, that's fine. Or whenever the GM would say something and be like, Oh, so you let us do that, but you can't let me pick my own clothes. Things like that. I got mad at that. Uh, I cannot imagine somebody taking control of my character. Then you're gonna get my player angry. You're gonna get me angry.
2: Yeah, it was more of it was just a stylistic thing. It's not like they role-played my character over and over again. It's just at times where there's a moment for me to add my own flavor or to kind of flush out my character, they would they would just assert, you know, this is what your character does. And to each their own, to me, the feeling I got was apathy. Like, if someone does that, I'm not as connected to this game or the characters at all, or I'm not... I don't really care about my character. And if, if you don't care about your character in a tabletop game, then you're maybe just drinking beer or something. I don't, I don't know what you're doing then.
0: We've talked about in our character death episode people are very, very connected with their characters. They feel very strongly about them. We put a little bit of ourselves in every character, so we're a little bit invested in them.
1: Yeah. I think for the GM, it's a thin line. I think it's one that can be pushed occasionally, not telling people what their characters do, but knowing their characters well enough and helping them get into character enough to give them prompts that they can work with to enact a situation. Like instead of saying, oh, you you pee your pants in fear, you can describe something and... You know, if you just let them react as they will, some people would never be like, "Oh, I'm not afraid of that. My character's afraid sure. of nothing." Oh yeah. Sometimes you have to be like, "No, this person is intimidating to you. You are intimidated by this person, or the sight of this thing you've uncovered is confusing to you. You're actually perplexed. You're dazed, and that will give the player a prompt to go off of, and they should." enact on that. You can't really force it on them, but there should be enough GM player trust that when I say, this person scares you, I should know my player well enough that when I say that, they don't just scoff and go, I'm not scared of anything. They know I understand their character, and if the GM is saying that my character is afraid of that, I should respect that, because they mm-hmm. understand me, my character, in the game that they're GMing.
0: As Dan Hall conveyed, it sucks when, like, character just no-sells every enemy you put against him. Just always, the, nothing bothers him. He's always the pinnacle of awesomeness. Mm-hmm. how does the gm do you encourage some better role playing that's better for him the game and everyone else and not cross that line
2: i think it's one of those tough things where i don't know that it's your job right like if someone's there and they're they're just a they're not having i don't know maybe they are having fun but they're just not really participating and they're kind of a lump and stuff that's when you have like a friend heart to heart where you're like hey man you know is there are you uncomfortable is there something going on is there any advice you can give that kind of thing and if they're like no it's the best i can do then you're like all right well you kind of got you kind of have to gauge that, right? Like mm. at the same time, I am always like I really enjoy tabletop and and to each their own, but like the the person that shows up in cosplay does a super crazy accent and is like moaning and writhing on the table and stuff like that. Like that's that's weird for me too. Like that's too much. <laughs> so I think there's both
1: sides of the spectrum that are And I want to apologize. I was drunk
0: that day and you knew that, Jeff. <laughs> I can't believe you oh. brought that up.
1: You shouldn't have cast unnatural lust on him.
0: <laughs> oh no.
1: So
2: I, I think it's just fair, right? Like there's people that are underwhelmed and there's people that are overwhelmed. And some people really like a super, super chill, we're barely role-playing characters. We're just more playing a different kind of game. It's like a more involved board game. And then there's people that are like, this is their life. This is what they're doing.
1: This is their other life. When you play role-playing games, you should aim to be just whelmed. That's <laughs> the golden aim for it. Or just have fun. Definitely. And it's the knowledge that really is necessary for that. The knowledge of your players and the game they want to run. And it's nothing that you can really just like parse out it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of effort
0: Jeff when you have a character that's very different from you like in some ways Armouros is, how do you get into the mentality of playing them
2: well I, I think I kind of reveal the part of that right like like I said I don't there's no like oscillating voice lessons that I do in a mirror by myself before I, I sit down and do the show or something like that like it's very casual for me I really enjoy how loose and relaxed D&D is for me and I really think of it as a social thing with other groups that are perhaps more serious so, so the show we're talking about by the way it's worth mentioning too that's jesse cox's show and jesse cox is a very silly guy obviously willing to do other things as well but he's more silly he's more funny sure so that group dynamic is kind of more loose and silly whereas in the past they have done shows with like neil for instance uh, and some others which is dealing with like mm-hmm. darker things a lot more murder a lot more treachery so then the character is a little bit more of a departure from me. Whereas Armaros is more like a veil of myself making a bunch of jokes in a fictitious environment. So I don't really stress too much about how to super portray him, I guess.
0: In the end, I think there are some people like yourself that are just natural actors.
2: Fair enough too, right? Yeah. I, for a living, I talk all day long in front of the camera and stuff where I travel somewhere and talk to audiences. So I don't have to get super amped up to do something like a different character or be silly, but for other people, it's, it's one of the things I recommend too. Like I always say that debate is one of the best things I've ever done in my entire life in terms of helping me with public speaking and giving me confidence to speak to audiences and crowds and, I think it's one of the most amazing things you can do in high school, college, and perhaps beyond. But another one that's vastly coming up is get a group of your friends together and play some Pathfinder and Dungeons and Dragon, all that stuff. Like having the the silliness and the ability to kind of create a character and act them out in front of people, it's uncomfortable for so many people. But once you get past it, just it's just a good thing to be able to do. And it's not necessarily you're not going to hear some weird message from you or like because we all create characters or anything like that. It's, it's more about like. Just the confidence to do silly things and try things in front of people that then allows you to get more comfortable with that in real life.
0: Sure. But well, listen, we're, talk- we're talking to the man here who had to be stopped from drawing on a internationally syndicated broadcast, a dick on a StarCraft map. The physical T-shirt being brought up. This guy's. This guy's. Uh. He's not held back by a lot. He's ready to act and he's ready to do it. He's ready to take chances, or at least create the feeling that I'm willing to do those things. Right. Yeah. And he didn't other do people it. To be silly. Listen, that was his character. When he's in front of a camera, that's his character. You can't. You. If you couldn't bring him to trial, is what I'm saying. No court in the world could do it. Right. <laughs> Chris, let me ask you a question. You are a person who, when you're playing your character, I sense a lot of you in it. Even when you played Lannris, who was funny, I guess the same theme with Armaros here, had a, a lower intelligence or actively made bad decisions. I still felt a lot of yourself in there. Have you ever had confusion where you're like, do I do this? Is this the sort of thing that I like to do all of a sudden? Do you learn things about yourself when you play your, your characters? <laughs> Because if not, I got some bad news for you. You're a dummy. And uh, I'm, I'm here. This is actually an intervention. I wanted to make you aware of it. It's Stunk a them.
1: <laughs> it's a tough thing to do, especially Landers is an interesting example because Landers is something that I was doing as part of a show. It's part of a production. Sure. So I recognized that there was an audience. So there came a point where I realized that the character that I initially intended on playing of someone that constantly makes bad decisions is a bit more abrasive than I intended, a bit more, I guess, darker than he ended up being was someone that I didn't think would be particularly entertaining to watch over and over again. And it was someone that I couldn't keep up with the pace of the show because it was someone that was outside my mindset. I would have to stop and I would have to think. And it just became easier in that case to make him a bit more like me, not still exactly like me, still a good bit off. But did adopt more of my own thoughts and feelings as a very long standing story. I couldn't keep up the facade of, oh, I'm this badass kind of guy. I, it kind of got. Dialed back over time, more into me. So I, I think it was a really-
0: choice when you actually got addicted to drugs, just so you could better, you know, sort of <laughs> role play the character.
1: I wanted to know what withdrawal was like, <laughs> so I could role play it better, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was also a time thing. Like I kind of, I would even say, I even got you can get tired of a character playing it for so long. Sure, mm-hmm. When you realize that, uh, you know, my character didn't die yet. I don't. I, I kind of want to play a quote unquote new character, or at least I want to take a jump in the way that this person is.
0: I recently talked to my GM and said, can we uh, phase my character out? Because what's going to happen is if that doesn't happen in a few sessions, I'm just going to start making really bad decisions until he dies. So (laughs) may not put you through. That's unfair to you. We try to find a better way to do that. Now, we talked about some of the problems that not being able to differentiate between character and player happen. And I'm of the opinion that that is only really a problem when you begin your career as a, a role player, as you play more and get more experience, I think those lines get so blurred and it almost becomes natural to be able to switch in between and that you don't need to make that distinction that the problem doesn't really occur anymore. I think When you look at the like, what's the what's the perfect what's the growth direction? The growth direction is you no longer need to draw these lines, artificial or real, in between your play and character because it's like not an issue. At one point, no one's stopping and saying, "Hey, Christian, is that you or Landris?" It it doesn't matter. You're just playing the game and having fun now. I think it's birthed out of experience.
2: Yeah, and I would just always encourage people to have an ongoing conversation outside of the game. I think it's naive to think that. Well, if I'm really clear that this is just my character doing this, nobody will hold that against me. Mm-hmm. Nah, man, they're they're gonna think that's you too. They're gonna they are gonna do that. But if you make it very clear and you ask the group, you're like, "Hey, this is what my character is probably," or they're gonna kind of approach this topic, or or they're gonna experiment with this thing. Is there anybody super against that? Someone's like, no, or they're like, yeah, I am. Then you kind of you know, go back and forth about that kind of thing. But at the same time, if you don't say those things and you're just like, hopefully everybody understands this is just my character. Uh, I think that's, I don't know, it's, it's part of the game that you're missing out on, too. Because I actually, like I said, it's just such a social experience online or in person Mm -hmm. that you're it's it's odd to me to even consider not having these conversations on any level Mm -hmm. we had a show where the potential for addiction was even brought up and one of the people on our show afterwards was like hey not a big deal but um i have a family member that's suffering from addiction it's a little bit of a touchy subject for me if we could just kind of move away from that guess what nobody said nobody was like no we're dealing with addiction sorry it's like of course Mm -hmm. nobody's gonna overrule that and we move past and we're fine And I think and that's cool. I think that's also like a really nice, mature interaction for humans uh, outside of Pathfinder or D&D or whatever. Like when you're with friends, if you haven't had an argument with a friend or fought with them, then I don't even know if you can call them friends yet. But when you do and you instead of like vehemently defending yourself as the arbitrator of justice and and law and instead we're just like, all right, I didn't know that that would hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to.
0: I'll try to do better. You're probably a pretty super awesome person
2: in game and out.
0: Have any of you ever met somebody who, when they get lost in their character, that's when they open up. They're almost like a completely different person. They're almost more available to be open as a character than they are in their normal life.
2: I don't think it was a super revealing thing, but just someone that's another content creator slash streamer. She has a very big audience, so I don't think she necessarily just spills out her emotional guts all the time. But on a show we dealt with, not even, I wouldn't even say it's a topic that mirrored anything in real life. Probably for these people, I wouldn't know, but they acted it out so incredibly well that it ended up being a very emotional and memorable moment for the those two, but also everyone that was kind of there watching it that that was kind of cool, just how willing they were to get deep on a subject Mm. and act it out. Because for me, I would say that's even a threshold that I don't do, right? Like, I, I've dealt with some uncomfortable topics in shows, but typically my characters are funny um, or they're leaders just to make sure the game moves along. That's like two <laughs> roles that I find myself in more often than not. And again, tough topics do come up. And it's not like i, I I'm the person that says, no, we'll never talk about this. But I'm not really diving in. These people dove way. And it was like on dealing with loss and being an orphan, that kind of stuff, which again, I don't necessarily even think they have personal experience with, but they went to like cry levels about it. So it's pretty cool.
1: In college, there was a tall, quiet guy I played with, and he would get very much into his characters. He was much more vocal, much more intimate with everyone when he was in character. And I come to find out that he's actually like a stage actor as well. So in multiple aspects of his life, though, normally in- interpersonal communication. He's kind of quiet and I'd say a little bit shy when he is acting on stage and when he is actually in a role-playing game acting as a character, an entirely different person. So I think definitely. It was something that he obviously recognized about himself since he sought to do this in multiple different formats.
0: It's a bit alien to me. I've met people, one of the first people I ever played with was way more um, socially apt, just apt at a lot of things as a character. He really opened up as a character than he was when we were out just hanging out and I don't have that that stark of a difference. I'm already I'm willing to be an idiot already. Is what I'm saying. I'm. <laughs> I don't I don't need that to make myself available. So it's such a very weird concept to me to see people who who it's given it's it's a it's a gift to them almost to be able to open up as their character. It's really sort of an odd thing for me. Though I have a feeling a lot of our listeners right now are like uh, I'm that guy.
1: It's a different thing for everyone. For some people, it's role playing games. For other people, it's I don't know alcohol. I guess.
0: But the I think the the reverse coin of that is the mistake I too often make because I don't make such a difference in the two. When I get angry, my character's angry and I bring it in. It became a running joke, but at first, when I found out like my GM was saying this thing that I assumed I had control of my character, I don't have control of it anymore. This is just the way it is with no real discussion. I got angry about that. And so my character was angry and terse the rest of that session. I afterwards was like, I'm sorry about that, and it turned into a joke. But I have that problem, and I would imagine somebody who we were just talking about before would have less of a problem. What are you smiling at, Christian?
1: Uh, you're upset that your GM without any control of your, uh, took control of your
0: character and took away mm-hmm. something
1: for you. Imagine
0: well, that's <laughs> weird, Caleb it, it must uh-huh. not feel good. I can't imagine. Nice. Never cast wish on Christian is what I'm saying. No, no, I don't want was any sort wish? of compulsion Wait, a spells on Christian. That's Gaius, a level nine wish, spell. nothing. He can't have any. What's the whole school of magic there? Uh, enchantment? Don't cast that on Christian's characters. And then they argued in front of Jeff for the next five Unless minutes. Unless it's natural lust. <laughs> <laughs> that's a dangerous spell in the game to cast on anybody i don't know why i think i think paizo the people who made pathfinder openly came out and said maybe we shouldn't have authored that spell
1: too late or at least named it something different like infatuation
0: or just not wills has written christian love. kiss that tree <laughs> you should have been, had a better will save <laughs>
2: I I don't know if it's a reiteration or even if it needs to be mentioned. I just think it's, uh, I like that we started talking about kind of the progression of typical characters where I really do think the first character is either something you're excited about Mm -hmm. gaming or it's literally just a reflection of yourself. And then from there, you can kind of actively, like, there's, I can't remember the picture, but it's something funny about, like, my first character is a level four barbarian named, bork you know and he's, he has a sword and then the next character is like I'm a trash dumpster fairy that is 700 years old <laughs> has a leg that's not really a leg and, and doesn't like people or whatever like it, it just you get to weird places mm-hmm. and you start to care a little bit less about being the min-max super soldier and and more about like this social interactions from a different perspective I guess and I think that's really fun to be kind of aware of it and, and experiment with it mm-hmm. I would also just encourage people not to force anything because I think with tabletop and it's very similar to Starcraft even Warhammer, because it has such a serious nature and it's got this long lineage and so many people play uh, all these games and it's just, you know, it's like a tradition, right? Like, so so a lot of, a lot of people hold it in this place where they're like, well, no, I, I mean, we do this every Thursday and my character really needs to get to accomplish the quest or whatever. But, but keep in mind, it's a game, too. So like that, I think that's such an important basis for everything we just talked about, right? Like it becomes easier to comprehend. I need to mention that my character is dealing with this in a really volatile and angry way. And it's not me being pissy. It's my character. Mm -hmm. And that's not this like trump card that you play where you're like, I'm going to be an insufferable twat for the next three hours. (laughs) And that's that's just what you have to deal with. It's instead saying, I'd like to play a character that's troubled by this. Let me know if I'm being too Mm -hmm. incessant about it. But at the same time, this is a concept that I want to explore because it's a group dynamic that I think is fun. But it's also what I wrote into my character. And I think that's so darn cool. And I think that's such a cool opportunity to explore that because you don't get to do that in real life, right? You don't mm-hmm. get to go to your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever and be like, today, I don't like you. And I'm just <laughs> going to give that a shot. And they're like, what? You don't get to detach yourself. But in these games where we're not cast by Michael Cohen or, or uh, you know, Jordan Peele or something like that, we just get to cast ourselves and talk about our own character. I think it's such an amazing opportunity. So, mm-hmm. Don't let it go to waste by uh making it too serious, inflicting on other people, but also on like just thinking it's just a game. Like like
0: do more with it. For me, the, the perfect game, the people I try to um are, are attracted to the kind of games I run is the kind of game where we're in character the majority of the time. And the only time we start hanging out or watching videos and stuff is during ways.
2: Too. One of the easiest ways for me to describe fun or, like, a good game is just having fun. Every time I'm with a group where I don't even, like, I, it doesn't matter what the quest is, it doesn't matter what we're doing, if they're all having fun, I have such a good time, right? Mm-hmm. You can tell when someone's not having fun in a free social game like Pathfinder and Dungeons Dragon Dragons and stuff like that. Like, if someone's not having fun, you can tell. And it makes it not fun for everybody.
0: Oh, it's it can make, like, a wretched energy that ruins the whole session. I've had times where, now I look back, I'm like, I should have just canceled the session. Someone was angry, we should have just taken a break, given it in a week. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of being insufferable, Caleb uh, in on. Why is my name right after
0: that? Uh,
1: hang on, wait. No, I'm talking about me. There's a point where Lanvers is angry at the other, Victor, the other character there, and was being very, very pedantic acting toward him. And yeah, I think you actually brought something up to me during that time that hey, you think maybe you can confront him about this instead of being so insufferable?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I- where,
1: where do you draw? Where did you draw the line there? Was that more of a viewer audience thing? Was that more of a mm-hmm. character thing?
0: Well, sure, it was something I was feeling, so I imagine that the listener is feeling as well. He got angry. That session, It, you know, anger happened. And the next session, it sort of was still happening. So then I said after a session, let's end this. If this happens for like four more sessions, it's just repetitive and annoying and sees, and is really interfering with progressing anything forward if you're not going to work together. So just confront them and see where that leads. It just wouldn't it be fun for anyone involved if this just kept being... Sort of the, the subtext of everything that was happening. It, it was played out, I think is the word. And also we're playing with one of... I know my players my other players, the kind of guy that won't confront it because he doesn't like confrontation. Him himself, and that goes into his characters. So he wasn't gonna ever confront you. So unless you instigated it, this would have been a thing for a while. Right. It's almost like you're supposed to know your GM and know your players, as that mantra I stole from the other podcast. It's almost like what Jeff said near at the beginning of the show. Everyone's gotta be here for the same thing. Yeah. Well, Jeff... Thank you so much for coming on again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. If people want to get more of you, where can they find you?
2: I am in control TV on all things Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. I just do a bunch of gaming-related things, a lot of nerdy stuff, and I like talking about these kind of stuff. So thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, if you want to hear Jeff talk about more subjects, he's got more of a serious kind of talk show called The Deadpan Diaries that I see on YouTube. I don't know if you record that on Twitch before it turns into YouTube.
2: Yep, it's on Twitch, and then we put it on
0: YouTube for free viewing. And on your Twitch, he plays Warhammer Live. He plays StarCraft, other games as well. He's currently role-playing on the Sunfall Cycle that we referenced, Jesse Cox's show. It's also on Twitch, and uh, VODs are put on YouTube. Jeff also does the Pylon Show, and if Jeff, if I can give you a high praise on the Pylon Show... Uh, oh, thank just, you, everyone who doesn't know, it's a StarCraft talk show. And it's it's a great show. It gives me a lot of nostalgic vibes for state of the game. Feeling like nostalgic again was uh, was pretty powerful. And you guys, I think I talk for a lot of people who say, you know, you've been on the internet for some time producing a lot of content already here. We've mentioned like a bunch of things you're already you're, you're still doing. And something that john total biscuit Bane used to talk a lot about mm. was sort of the one way relationship content creators have with their audience. And a lot of the ways that the audience feels so connected to you and have that pile on show to be able to like, reinvigorate that into me and, and feel this connection to you is really awesome and, and personally it's awesome and I appreciate the opportunity to, to actually do a show with you right now to finally reciprocate I think you handle that relationship so very well and uh, to have the Pylon show on you feel almost like you could be a part of it of course I'm. You know, none, of, none of us ever will ever be you're not going to call me on the show unless you're really interested in somebody who replays the campaign all the time and has just played a disgusting amount of co-op I don't think I'll be getting invitation <laughs> anytime soon but we feel like we're a part of the show the way you guys do the pylon show. I really want to commend such a great job. I hope you guys continue to do that. You deserve all the success you have and we wish you much, much more.
2: That's really, really nice of you. Thank you so much.
0: You think it was nice of me, but is it though? Is it oh. Though? What what's happened there? We had Jeff on and I refused to let him do it. I told him at the start of the show he wasn't allowed to do it because I was going to do it. It's my joke now, is what I told him. You can have it. <laughs> That's uh It's been bequeathed. You can't stop it. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on the show, Jeff. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Class is dismissed.
2: Trailblazer Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great RPG podcasts, visit our website tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? Email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com. This is Johan Mertens. Thanks for listening.